This is The Culture. Hello and welcome back to the Cinema Wave podcast. Today we're talking about episode six of Ahsoka titled Far, Far Away. I am going to be one of your hosts for this episode, Darian Scalamoni. I am joined as always by the host of the Star Wars Mark of Balance podcast, Mark Yacobino. What's going on, Mark? How are you? He's back. Yes, he is. <laughs> How's it going, guys? I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about... Well, you too, obviously. We love back. having you yeah. back. Um, but who you are referring to, we will... Um, just give you guys this ahead of time. If you guys haven't watched any of our previous episodes, go back and watch them, please, as well. But we are talking spoilers. This is a spoiler-heavy discussion on Ahsoka Episode 6. So the person that Mark is referring to <laughs> is Grand Admiral Thrawn. He's here. Finally. He's here. <laughs> now, earlier on in our first episode, I think, or it might have been the second episode we recorded, but you had predicted that Thrawn was coming back Episode 5. So you were off by one episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... In the sense of the story and the way that it's progressed, I feel like this was the perfect time to bring him in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think last week we were talking about that as well. What were your thoughts on his transition to live action and being able to see him in Ahsoka? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing as a book fan, as a Rebels fan, seeing him finally come to live action and being reprised by the same person playing him from Rebels in Lars Mikkelsen. And he kept the voice. I know he said he might tweak the voice between the animated version and then the live action version but he pretty much kept it the same and and i absolutely love how cold calculated and how there's such a nice rhythm to it and he talks in that whisper tone and it's just so eloquent and i thought the presentation of him kind of having that walk through all the soldiers kind of like palpatine in the original trilogy he'd walk through the star destroyer and through the soldiers i thought it was fantastic and i mean i'm used to him but for you we've been talking every week like yeah. do you think he's coming next week do you think so he's this coming is my so yeah this I'm is excited this to hear is what you think. so this was my first interaction or experience with the grand admiral um lars mickelson i also i don't know how much i've seen him in previously i i would have to look at his imdb page but the thing that i really loved about his portrayal of the character kind of playing off of what you were just saying was how methodical he was and how it wasn't a character that was so theatrical and so over the top. It was a different sort of villain tone to what I'm used to in star Wars, especially I feel like in recent years, sure. even like, uh, I really love, um, his name is uh, John Carlo Esposito's character in Mandalorian. Oh, Moff Gideon. Moff, uh, Moff Gideon. Gideon, I think is a great character, but again, there's, there's elements of that heightened theatricalness to him. Mm -hmm. And I actually really love when he's like more methodical, more like in that Gus Fring range. Mm -hmm. So this portrayal of Thrawn, even somebody that's just like, he's larger than life. He's got blue skin, red eyes. Dude, yeah. like everything about him is the exact opposite of the way that Lars plays the character. Mm -hmm. So for me that stood out and I was really impressed with how he commanded the screen, even though he was kind of having this hushed tone the whole time. Yeah, so. it is incredible, just the composure that he has. And it's great how quickly he disarms everyone. Like, this whole season, we've seen Balon being this big hulking presence. And the first thing Thrawn says to him, he looks at him, he's like, and who are you? And then he figures out, oh, you must be blah, blah, blah. He lists out, like, everything he's ever been a part of. And then he looks him up and down. And he said, yeah, maybe you might be useful, or maybe Sabine might be useful. And you can tell... In the back of his mind, he's kind of calculated what he can use this pawn for. Yeah, and there, there's hesitance to that, too, because I think he sees that other side where we know that Balin used to be a Jedi. Mm -hmm. And he is obviously very untrusting of anyone that's a Jedi. Exactly. And even the way that when uh, later on in the episode, when Ahsoka and the fleet are basically on their way there, mm -hmm. he has that. It's something that you can tell he's concerned about, but he's not like 
overly reacting to it. It's something where he's just like, all right, we'll have to take care of it. Yeah. We'll take care of it when she gets here. It's just like a next step thing. Like plan B plan A doesn't work. We move on to plan B. And it is interesting. This whole concept of him relying on these night sister mothers, and he's almost looking to them for guidance, which is pretty much a new thing for Thrawn. I think him losing in rebels has kind of taken a toll on him where he's, always had confidence because he's always won and he's always been good at his job. And this is the first time he's actually taken a loss and he's been exiled. So I think there is an element of him that is grown impatient and he's looking for other ways to get back to his former glory. And I really like that aspect of this episode because there are some slight changes to Thrawn here. We see him actually be a bit more expressive than he was in Rebels. In Rebels, he would get angry, he would get frustrated, he would get disappointed, kind of like what you were just talking about at the end of the episode. But we actually see him in the first scene. He smirks. He's like, this is a day that, you know, the our enemies will be afraid of. Like, they'll be afraid of us coming back. So I think there is an interesting element to this new version of Thrawn in live action. And uh, it, It's always different, right, when you go to live action because you're getting those actual human responses and human, like, reactions and emotions coming through mm -hmm. so i think that definitely plays a part of it too i want if you can to kind of explain not only to me but anyone else who's watching who may not have seen rebels or clone wars um the witches okay <laughs> what their what their experiences their connection to thrawn if that existed prior to the series so if you could dive into that a little bit because that's another element of star wars that we haven't like, I haven't seen that before. Yes. So yeah. it was cool. It was different. I appreciated it. But mm -hmm. again, it was just something that uh, just didn't – I shouldn't say connect, but it just – it seemed different than anything I had seen yeah. previously. So if they have been in other series, can you explain their impact and basically what it means for them in Ahsoka? Sure. Yeah, they definitely bring that, like, cosmic horror element to Star Wars, which I really like. And this is the first time we've seen them in the full, like, garb and get up in live action in clone wars we saw them on dothamir and we saw some of the things that they're capable of with their magic namely the reanimation of dead corpses which i was hoping not to get into when merrick was killed but essentially that green dust that comes out of him it's a very big hint that he was a reanimated corpse that morgan elsbeth had used her you know you see the green magic when mm -hmm. she's bringing up the star map she essentially used that to reanimate him and that's kind of what we're seeing here with these troops. At least that's my prediction right now. Um, but yeah, these Night Sisters, we've only seen them on Dathomir. And in this episode, we actually get kind of confirmation that they might have come from this other galaxy. And they use the Purgle to kind of move between their original galaxy and the galaxy that we know. And yeah, I would say witches is the best way you can describe them for a casual fan that hasn't been introduced to them. But they do have this magic element to them, magic with a K, <laughs> because we're so creative in yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th I think it's really cool for fans that haven't seen them in live action, and I think it's also cool for fans who have never seen them. And I love the echo in their voice. It's it's so scary. It's otherworldly. It gives you that unsettling feeling of a different galaxy that we're finally in. So yeah, I would expect everyone to just be ready for very unorthodox kind of Star Wars when they're coming into play. And I think the other question you asked was if they've ever had a connection to Thrawn. And mm -hmm. no, this is this is new. So Thrawn was not connected to the Night Sisters, at least to our knowledge, during Rebels or any of the books to my recollection. So this is new. But like I said, I think he's looking for other ways to get himself back to that um, piece of power that he used to have. Because I think his 
ego and his confidence might have been diminished a bit when Ezra did defeat him at the end of Rebels. And now he's kind of pulling on these other strings like these Night Sisters, this magic. And they're telling me that I'm this savior, that I'm the one that was promised to come back um, and kind of take over the galaxy. So I think that's just a very interesting kind of spiritual uh, element of Thrawn that we haven't seen before. And it's interesting that Dave is connecting those dots here. I think the one thing, I think the show is so well paced too. And I really, so last week's episode was very Ahsoka centric. We did have elements where we saw uh, Hera talking and have her moments with, with Jason and who Yang had some great moments in last week's episode as well, but very much a show based in the titular character, right? Mm-hmm. Ahsoka's not in this episode much at all. Mm-hmm. And so much of this is focused not only on the appearance of Thrawn, the appearance of the Night Sisters, but we get more with Balin and we get a lot with Sabine. I am curious on your thoughts on Sabine's journey because me, I was angry with her. You've been angry with her. I have been angry with her, <laughs> but this is one where I thought she was like she was even more sh- short-sighted. Okay. And uh, I did love her battle scenes. And again, we do get the reunion at the end of the episode with Ezra, mm-hmm. who looked like Jesus, <laughs> which I don't know. He doesn't look like that in the, in the series, right? He doesn't have a beard. He did not in the series, have a beard, right? no, and long hair, no. But, um, <laughs> but I, I was just... I don't know. I was pissed off with her too because she goes all the way to this this trouble and she kind of fucks over Ahsoka and there's a lot of things that happen, right, for mm-hmm. her to get to this moment with Ezra and he asks about her journey essentially mm-hmm. and she's like, I just got here. Like I don't want to do that and I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> like do you even understand how much shit you've put not only yourself through but all these other people and – Ahsoka now being Ahsoka the the white, she has like this a more of a spiritual sense to her, but you can tell that she's obviously still upset with what happened and she tells who Yang at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious on your thoughts on Sabine, not only in this episode, but the progression of the character, because now we're six episodes in. Yeah. So I had a feeling early on that I was frustrated with her. I do still like the character. I think Natasha Lou Bordizo does a fantastic job in the role. Mm-hmm. But I'm frustrated with the character. What are your thoughts based on this episode? There's a lot to unpack there. Um, But yeah, I would agree that, you know, she's done the Star Wars thing. She's put attachments above the greater good of the galaxy. And I love that Thrawn walks her down and says, you've put the fate of the galaxy all on the faith that Ezra Bridger is still alive. (laughs) It's wild. And she just kind of rubs it off. But he's like telling her, like, you screwed over your galaxy just for this slight chance that he might be out there. So again, it's one of those things where you deal with the consequences of your actions. She made a dark side esque decision to put attachments above the greater good. Um, I think for me, this episode was interesting with her because I did, I did, I still do like being on the journey with her and I appreciate her humor, her sarcasm, her, her quips. Like I like all of that stuff, but I think a big part of me was very surprised at how easy we found Ezra. I think that was just something that I don't want to say took it out, took me out of the episode, but their reunion objectively was great. I think the music, I think the build up to it, I think the embrace, I think all of that was fantastic. But I think in the back of my mind, I was so hung up on the fact that they just crossed the galaxy and then within a day, they found Ezra. I was going to say too, not only that, but what were your thoughts on, Get us. We got a throne. We got Thrawn and Ezra in the same episode. Yeah. Huge. So, I I always play in that camp where if you have multiple sort of hands that you can play at. So like, here's an example. This is a sports reference. So if you guys don't understand sports, whatever. I'm gonna try to break this down. (laughs) So perfect example, right? 
Conor McGregor is a UFC fighter, a very famous celebrity and big time athlete, right? Mm -hmm. He is always in the main event of any card that he competes on because he has that name. So if there's another guy on in UFC who can sell pay-per-views similar or close enough to him, you never want to put them on the same exactly. card. Yeah, okay? you them out. <laughs> exactly. Why do you think they went with the decision to show us Thrawn and Ezra in the same episode? And is that playing into sort of what you're saying? Like, do you wish the journey was a little bit longer? Because for me, it wasn't as I, I do agree with you. I think the scene aesthetically was great. Yeah. I thought everything below the line was fantastic. I mm -hmm. thought the performances were great, but I was like, ah, I, I could have waited on Ezra. I felt like if you were going to do Thrawn in this episode, maybe you do Ezra in the finale. Mm -hmm. So what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think as I've kind of said throughout this series, I think it'll be better taken as a full piece of art. I think by the end, this decision might make more sense. Even next week, we might get more context about what Ezra's headspace is because I think he's very carefree. Like he almost doesn't even care that Thrawn's just flying the Star Destroyer. Yeah, overhead. he seems like, he seems very casual. Exactly. He's just like, I want to go home. Like, so we need to see where he's at in his headspace, and maybe that'll play into the fact that he was so easy to find because he wasn't hiding. He was just out and about. Thrawn doesn't see him as a threat anymore, and Sabine was just like, let's not talk about it. Let's just enjoy this reunion. So I think. I'm I'm holding out on any real criticism here. I think I'm just reserved about how it all went down. I do love the performance from the I, I don't know the actor. The name actor playing Ezra? Ezra. He was fantastic. It's uh, Aman Esfandi. Aman Esfandi. I think he was a great choice. I think it's really funny that Dave now has to live with the fact that he gave all of these characters blue eyes in animation because yeah. Hera and now Ezra have these like Dune bright blue yeah. eyes. And, and Thrawn has red eyes, right? And Thrawn has red eyes. Yes. But I'm like. Yeah, you know, maybe you should have planned ahead there, Dave, because now they have these, like... I, when I was looking at him, I'm like, he looks like he just came out of Dune with the spice because his yeah, eyes yeah. were so blue. But, uh, you know, that's just that's just something you have to live with when you change mediums. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I really have to wait till next week to see what their kind of debrief is between her and Ezra, like, this whole journey. Obviously, Ahsoka's going to show up. Balin and Shin are coming towards the village of Hermocrat. Which I love people. them in this episode too. I, I thought I think that their connection and their chemistry is some of the best I've seen in Star Wars in a really long time. It makes yeah. me really upset about the loss of Ray Stevenson because mm. the two of them as characters too, and we don't know what's gonna happen with these characters. I am hopeful and I also have a little bit of a feeling that I think they are gonna live on through the end of this season. If that's the case, it's like, where do you go? Because he's so great in, as the role of Balin. He is. He is. And I think this is the first week where we actually see him slip a little into the dark side. We see that he's talking about this prophecy, about these old stories. And he's like, something calls to me here. There's a power here and we can't leave. And Shin, for the first time, kind of questions You him. see the opposite. She's yeah. like, everyone else is leaving this planet. Maybe we should as well. And he's like, no, we have to push forward. And I think this is the first time we see him actually kind of slip into more of that dark side-esque role. And I think that's ultimately going to be his downfall. I actually don't think he's going to survive the end of the season. Okay. I think he is going to you know, follow this ambition that he has, which I think he is trying to restart the order. I yeah. think we get a little bit more there because he talks about this vicious cycle of jedi order rising falling empires rising things falling and he just wants to have a clean slate and restart which we talked about a couple yeah. episodes ago so yeah i think next week we're gonna see you know shin maybe start to see that 
that slippage in her master. And I don't know when Balon will fall, but my my guess is by the finale, he won't be around anymore. And Shin is going to be that character that has to choose. Is she going to you know, reconcile and, and become part of the good guys or is she going to follow her master? Would you, how, how would you feel if she went to the light? Because I don't know if I would like it. I would have to see what her backstory is and what her trauma is because I think she does have trauma that we haven't explored yeah i think you can see it in her performance for sure definitely so i'm i'm thinking there's some subtext there i'm I'm hoping that we get a little bit more next week and yeah i I think there's a lot they have to cover in these last two episodes in a good way i think they're going to be chock full of like great character stuff and obviously ahsoka is going to show up in the mix soon but yeah i think i think balon and shin it's it's such a cool relationship because there's not that much dialogue between them mm. but it, there's there's so much said to the performances I, and i don't i don't want to jump into this too much because when we get to the finale we'll be able to have a really long episode where we wrap up basically the whole series yeah but i am curious on your thoughts and i don't know if dave has covered this in interviews or anything like that but i don't think we have any clarity on whether or not this is going to be like a limited series whether this is going to be a two season live action and then we go into his movie like mm-hmm. we don't really have any clarification correct me if i'm wrong on that yeah, right no I, I don't know of any other plans i think they said they didn't say it was a limited series but they didn't say it was a continuation of so, a series, so so my my thought is where do you think they end up because like you said i think there is so much to cover in two episodes and at the same time i think the series is really good and yeah, i'm yeah. really i'm really pleased with it and i think that it further, at least in my opinion, <clears throat> I was talking to a friend recently who's a big Star Wars fan, like in the same camp as you, he's seen everything. Nice. Uh, and we were talking about how uneven Star Wars is right now mm-hmm. as, a, as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, at least in terms of like the television and film universe. Right. Sure. Yeah. And you have things like Obi-Wan, which people were really excited for. And then it kind of was a little underwhelming and then again like the the sequel trilogy that that was years ago but still it it lingers and it's in it people's does. minds it does. <laughs> right so the thing for me is what this series is establishing is i believe that feloni is the perfect choice to be like the feige mm-hmm. he should be in control of everything he knows star wars as well as anybody not named george mm-hmm. so i am curious on your thoughts on where you think maybe he's going with this because there, like you said, there's a lot to cover in the last two weeks. And the good thing and the bad thing is we have this big ensemble now. Yeah. There's a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. Morgan Elsbeth is a character we haven't even brought up. And she has big moments in this episode where she finally reunites with, with Thrawn or she comes together with Thrawn. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that whole process and where you think we're going to end up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think ultimately we end up with Thrawn returning to the known galaxy. That's, you know, why the space ring is big enough to pretty much hold his Star Destroyer. I think it'll end on a very sour note of him returning and the heroes maybe being in a better place character wise, but the galaxy is in a worse place because he's returning. And that's my only big thing going into the end of the, the series. That's really my big prediction. I, I don't really know where else. I, I have any thoughts yet? Do you think? Do you think that that eventually just leads right into the film then? Because if this threat, this looming threat of Thrawn is coming, and it again, it's it's most likely not just Thrawn, right? Like we yeah. have, he has this army. We don't know about Morgan Elsbeth. We still, like I said, we don't know about Shin, and we don't know about Balin. Yeah, but we know that Ahsoka and Din know each other, and we know that mm-hmm. Luke is around. So yeah. it's like, is that the most sensible next step? Or it's, do you think so you hard. can go? Like, it's hard because I do want to see these characters have more stories, 
but I feel like you do limit yourself in this time period, right? Where you have to try to get unfortunately un, un, that's and I think that's Star Wars' biggest problem, right? They like handcuff themselves sometimes to like they well, have to do so much. Well, they didn't do good enough with the sequel trilogy. If the sequel trilogy was a bit more compelling, this time period between it would be exciting to find out what happened in those 30 years. But I don't think they set themselves up for victory here. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, yes, all roads do lead to the sequels. And there is this looming threat for me that there is going to be this big galaxy-wide conflict before the First Order Rise, and it it's almost like it never happened because it's never mentioned in yeah. the sequels. Like, yeah, Thrawn came back for like five years, and we took care of that, and now we never mention it again. So it is really interesting to think about. I think because I do predict that this army is kind of like an army of the dead, witch magic kind of thing, that that's kind of their safety net that... yeah. They come back and they use the Imperial Remnant, but the Imperial Remnant isn't the main force and the Army of Dead, like they kill the Army of Dead and then it's gone and it's like it never happened. Exactly. So I think that's kind of where where they may go. But, you know, maybe I can trust Filoni to throw a curveball and, and do something different. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe this does lead into the movie. I think Mandalorian season four is very much shaping to be a return to form where it's just Din and Grogu kind of going around the galaxy and maybe not having a hand in the the bigger issues yeah but yeah i don't know i don't know it's not it's not my problem <laughs> i know and for I, sure I'm but it's interesting and i'm hoping that they have thought farther far enough ahead yes and i, I that's i i think feloni is the creative voice hopefully to be able to get them on the right path but mm -hmm. jennifer getzinger also directs this episode i think she does a really good job of kind of keeping everything stable yep. uh being able to balance all these different characters um jumping back to sabine for a second so she uh, gets on this creature. Do we know the name of the creature again? No. No, okay. So she, it's basically like this big wolf that yeah, she gets on the yeah. back of. Yeah. And uh, Thrawn is basically just like, no, you're free to go find Ezra. If you want to go find him, then go ahead. Yeah. And then he tells Balin and Shin that uh, at their own pace, they can go follow her. And if she's able to meet up with Ezra, if she's able to get through all these obstacles that are in this galaxy, essentially, then kill them both, right? Exactly. So uh, what did you think of Sabine's journey and her action scenes as well as meeting uh, the little, like, turtle army, which I loved. I thought they were <laughs> the, hermit crab. Uh, the little hermit crab turtle people yeah. that I thought were so Star Wars that, like, it just really worked for me. Yeah. Uh, and I really appreciated that. So what were your thoughts on, on Sabine's journey? Yeah, I'm hoping there's, you know, a trap here by Thrawn. I think there always is, and I think that's something that they need to – established that he can weave these kind of plots very quickly like sabine oh didn't calculate sabine would be here okay let me let me rework this plot uh balan and shin they're jedi to him so he's like okay they're expendable i'll send them out if they get lost if sabine and them are, are stranded here it doesn't matter but yes thank you sabine for for helping my cause so i'm gonna help your cause <laughs> i love that yeah um yeah i think this section of the episode is very uh tapping into that like more fun star wars side with you know the wolf being like a big puppy and like following her mm. and yeah meeting some hermit crab people at that point of the episode i was like what is going on here because i feel like it was it's like an acid trip in star it wars was like clashing tones because the opening was so like dark with thrawn and all this stuff and then it like completely flips but you know i guess that's you know what star wars is when it's at mm. its best so um yeah I, I i thought it was nice and i think it's always good to kind of have those new creatures and have an otherworldly feel to the star wars galaxy because we're now out of that galaxy um and yeah i mean by the end like like i said even though i was out of it when she did finally meet up with ezra um it was great to see them back together and 
that poor boy Ezra, that was a that was a friend zone hug if I've ever seen one. You, you, know, the you pat, thought? Oh you yeah, thought the so? pat on the shoulder. That's yeah, too bad. For I don't Ezra. know, man. I still, I still, I know you're, I know you're not on that journey. <laughs> I still, I don't know. I still feel like there might be more of a romantic connection. I mean, part of me is like, I hope there is a romantic connection because if there's not, and she just travel the whole fucking galaxy for a friend. It's like, come on, hey man, platonic relationships. I guess gotta, they're important. Gotta have them. Yeah, out there. you're right. But yeah, that right. was a that was a friend zone hug if I've ever seen one. The pat <laughs> um, on the back. Oof. <laughs> Poor boy, Ezra. <laughs> um, so the back end of the episode, uh, based on what I had read, feels a lot more like the Rebels sort of tone. Sure. And you played a little bit on you just talked about the clashing of of tonality in the episode where we have that darker sort of and we have that really cool introduction of er, Enoch. Is Enoch in animated series? No, he was new. He was that, sick. That, I love like, his Roman, character design. Have super you seen, cool. Yeah, you've probably seen Game of Thrones. Yes. Right? It was very much like Sons of the Harpy-esque yes. kind of mass. And I was like, oh, that's, that's for, scary. For Star Wars, that was that's sick. Freaky. Yeah, again. <laughs> So yeah. and um so I wanted to get your thoughts on on sort of if you could weave one way or another where do you lean? I know we had a conversation off camera last week about uh your view of like the force and why you love uh the force being a big aspect of your star wars love yeah. but um that same friend i was talking to the other day shout out nikki if you're watching um we were talking about he asked me if i like to soak better or andor okay. and again the show is not wrapped up sure. for the people who haven't listened to my episode on your podcast i love andor beyond belief mm-hmm. and i really love the different tone that Andor sets that it basically is taking these and um Gilroy talks about it a lot where he's like we're basically taking these everyday people and we're showing you what it's like in the Star Wars galaxy and I love that like it's it's a gritty like drama in Star Wars where not like again there are blasters there's all these like you see iconic imagery and all this stuff but for me that was something that hit a tone and a target that I hadn't seen before so I really loved it mm-hmm. Ahsoka I get similar feelings to when I first started watching Man- Mandalorian mm-hmm. and I do love it. I really appreciate it and I'm really enjoying the series, but I'm curious on which kind of lane, especially in this episode, you leaned more towards because Thrawn is even that darker side, right? It is like a political. Yeah. It's more of a political kind of side versus the mystical aspects mm-hmm. of Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, I think my favorite is the blend. It's always been the blend and the harmony of it all. I I think if you lean into one strength too much, then you kind of lose everything. Um, So I love that Andor leans into that gritty, worldly, boots on the ground feel. But again, at the end of the day, you are missing that force aspect. And that's okay because there is so much Star Wars out there and you can appreciate different pieces of Star Wars. I mean, Clone Wars, there's a whole you know, arc and Clone Wars that is just around the clones and they're just foot soldiers and there's no force involved in that. But you really can still appreciate the Star Wars in that storytelling. And I think what Dave Filoni is so great at in all of his series, especially this one, is bringing all of those things together, having the darkness that you get in something like Revenge of the Sith, which I would argue there's not much fun in Revenge of the yeah, Sith. It's a pretty sure. dark movie. And that's towards the top of my list. That's exactly. number two for me. Yeah, and, so. you would, and you would say that, you know, Empire Strikes Back, again, probably more on the darker side. I still see it as a more, you know, light movie because it does have, like, the Yoda force mystical kind of aspect to it. But, yeah, I think it's it's always been that duality of light side, dark side, and taking in different strengths of Star Wars. And I think that is a strength of Star Wars because you can make it anything, any genre, any tone and it could work as long as it has that love and respect and i think tony gilroy proved that with andor and i think dave filoni proves that with all of his series and and favreau too like making just like a fun adventure 
uh, yeah. series with with Mando. So yeah. I think Star Wars can be so many different things, and that's what's one of its biggest strengths. Yeah, I think I think Favreau is great for this universe too. The reason I lean more Filoni is because I feel that he's got that they're both great together obviously too mm -hmm. i think feloni has that fandom aspect where he knows so much about it and i think favreau does too i think favreau also though is invested in so many different aspects of film so i'm like i would love for him to be like a star wars consultant a lucasfilm consultant but yeah. for me there's so many creative avenues i want him to explore and i not that i wouldn't want that for dave but i just feel like dave is totally cool with being in star wars forever mm. i think he would just be like on it like he would be so happy if he just died making star wars yeah this is his like dream he was in um he was part of avatar the last airbender before that as a as like a story animator kind of yeah. guy so he hasn't fully been in just star wars but yeah like once he got that call and he's like he's gonna come work then. with yeah. george lucas he's like yeah of course i think he tells this story at one of star wars celebrations he's like yeah i was just i, I literally have like a plo Koon costume in my garage like of course i'm <laughs> coming to meet george lucas so yeah he is he is literally one of us up there actually making the star wars yeah so for it's, sure. it's really cool that's awesome um i wasn't sure if there was anything else you wanted to touch on in this episode in particular i did want to just really quickly i'm really pleased with the progression of the series i think that episodes one and two and three are solid but they're not like the greatest of mm -hmm. star wars television that we've seen the last three episodes have really gotten me invested and got me excited to watch the series the night of get like some popcorn sit in front of my television yeah. i would love for the finale to be in a theater like how episode five was right <laughs> uh, and i hope that and i'm happy because this week's episode again was the longer on the longer side i think it was like 41 42 minutes yeah i'm really hoping for the last two episodes especially if they wrap up the series if we don't get a season two mm -hmm. even if it's a limited run i am hoping that these episodes are approaching 50 minutes that that's my hope for the next two weeks the last two episodes of season one or maybe the series of ahsoka so i don't know if there's anything else in particular with this episode you wanted to touch on or if you just wanted to kind of comment on the run they've been on the last three weeks yeah i think it, it kind of shows the strength of, of filoni I, I think you know a lot of us clone wars and rebels fans sometimes have a bit of tunnel vision like in clone wars and rebels there were definitely some slow starts to a lot of those shows especially you know the shows themselves like season one of clone wars and season one of rebels you could definitely argue are the weakest seasons in both series and eventually they build to be some of the best star wars we have so i think unfortunately you know you would hope that by the third show dave filoni would kind of iron that out and have like more of a strong beginning but i think he's still working through that and i think this is just another kind of microcosm of of his work like he starts slow and methodical and you know you maybe don't appreciate those small moments in the first couple episodes the first pieces of his story but when they get to the big moments they're they're top they're top tier they're top notch and um i think you know ahsoka does that really well and yeah i'm i'm expecting a lot out of these two episodes i definitely think they'll be on the longer side i don't think he would start making um <laughs> making cuts at this point in the series yeah. i think he's just gonna chalk them full of stuff i think Ezra is going to be a really interesting fold in the story because, like we kind of talked about, he's probably not on board with stopping Thrawn. He looks like he's very much trying to get back to the galaxy, and Sabine now kind of has to wrestle with that. Yeah. And then Ahsoka is going to show up, and Thrawn is now having to have this mind battle with Ahsoka because, again, Thrawn is not a Jedi. He's not. He's a soldier. He's a warrior. He's capable, but he's not going hand to hand with Ahsoka. Like he's going to beat Ahsoka with mind games. And we have this great scene at the end where he turns to Morgan Elsbeth because she made a mistake. And now that's in his head. You made a mistake. And he's like, I want to know everything about her homeworld, culture, yep. everything, species, her master, which for book fans, 
Thrawn has had some run-ins with Anakin and Darth Vader. So okay. I'm really thinking that he has to lean into that because that's her foil right now. Because her 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 arc is that, oh, she's gotten over her past. She's accepted who her master is. And now Thrawn can start to poke the bear there. He can yeah. start twisting the knife and be like, oh, your master. I might have known him and da-da-da-da. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to hear about yeah. that for sure. So. That's all I got. I'm 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 glad you're liking it as yeah, someone man. who didn't see any of the animation and and Thrawn, I guess he lived up to the hype he because did. we've been talking about it for a long time and yeah. he's finally here. So yeah, absolutely, he lived man. up to it. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, that's gonna wrap it up for our episode six coverage of Far Far Away of Ahsoka. Just signing off. I am Darian Scalamoni. I'm Mark Yacobino. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>